0: we're going to be extravagant, we cannot be extravagant as a church unless we're extravagant as individuals. Because individuals make up the church, amen? If we're going to be extravagant as a church, if we're going to be a church that goes way beyond the norm, it's going to be built by a bunch of individuals who make a decision this morning, I will be extravagant. I will go beyond the norm of what a normal Christian does. We're going to figure all that out in a minute. We're going to be a church, we're going to be a body of believers that sits here and says, I will no longer settle For what I've always heard or done, I will give it my all. I will go to the extreme. We will go to the farthest parts of the globe, amen, and watch God do amazing things in our life. So as we understand what extravagant means, I want to read to you this verse of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28. And as we're reading this Scripture, we're going to clarify some things when we get done with it. And so it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, The people were astonished, everybody say astonished, at his doctrine. The people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes or the normal teachers of the day, is what the Bible says. And the the Bible says they were astonished at his doctrine. They were saying there was something different about his doctrine. His doctrine went way beyond the norm. His doctrine was not what they had been hearing all their life. His doctrine was something completely different different than what they had ever been used to so his doctrine was different and i love how they said that his doctrine was different and when is the last time we as the body of christ when you're out in walmart people were astonished at your doctrine come on now i mean people just walked up to you and said oh there is something different about you you have got to go to the way bible church out there because your doctrine okay that actually has happened okay because your doctrine is different well let's get down let's get the word doctrine down because that's kind of a Man, that's kind of a blah word in the church. Everybody, you hear doctrine, it's like you think of a, a written, written statement of faith, a, a written code of conduct, uh, written creeds that we, that we would say every week if you grew up in the style of church that I grew up in. And, and, and the doctrine of the church is kind of like this mundane set of rules that this is how we operate by. But I want to challenge you this morning, if we're going to be an extravagant church, to get a different definition of doctrine. Doctrine is not the vast knowledge we possess about the Bible but it is the extravagant way we live the Bible, okay? I'm going to repeat that. Doctrine is not our vast knowledge about the Bible, and I'll get into that in a second. It is the way we live the Bible. There was something different, and the people were astonished at the extravagance of Jesus' doctrine because he did it differently than everybody else. And so this morning, we're going to find out if we are going to be an extravagant church, a church that goes way beyond the norm, we are going to have to be a church that doesn't just have vast knowledge of the Bible, but we have a different lifestyle because our doctrine is not what the Bible says, it's how we live what the Bible says. Okay, I got to get more than three amens on that or we're never going to become an extravagant church, amen? So this morning, y'all are thinking he's going to challenge me to live differently, yep. I ain't even going to pull any punches, yep, I am. I'm going to challenge you to start living differently. I'm going to start challenging you as we've done all this series to read the Sermon on the Mount again and again and again and again and again. And I have a great friend who this this past week I was reading the Sermon on the Mount and I just texted him out of the blue and said, have you ever read it like this in a different way? And God began to show me all these different things about the Sermon on the Mount that I can't even get into. It's not even in this message. But I noticed how Jesus was living differently. And his doctrine was not the written code of conduct, the law. His doctrine was how he lived the law. His doctrine was not just obeying the rules of what it says. It was how he lived the rules and how he applied the rules. And so as we go on in this, I want to first encourage you that the Sermon on the Mount is filled with extravagant phrases. Phrases that go way beyond the norm. Phrases like this, don't go one mile, go two. That's pushing it for some of you. And we we had an example of that last week. Don't go one mile, go two is an extravagant phrase. Another one that we talked about last week is be perfect. That's an extravagant phrase. It goes way beyond the norm. Another one is love your enemy. Are you kidding me? Love my enemy. Are you kidding me? That's way beyond the norm. Bless those, y'all, y'all get this because y'all are going to be thinking about work tomorrow. Bless those who curse you. That's extravagant. That's way beyond the norm. Bless those who curse you. I'm talking about living differently. Pray for those who despitefully use you. How many of y'all have been used in your life? And it says, bless those who despitefully use you. Are you kidding me, God? Bless those who despitefully use me? I'm talking about extravagant living. Talking about living differently. Living beyond the norm of what we've ever been taught, of what we've ever done as a Christian. To understand what living beyond the norm means, we got to get a hold of that one-word doctrine. That doctrine, if we're gonna understand it, we gotta go back one paragraph up to Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four. So I hope you still have your Bibles open. It goes on to say this in Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell. Everybody say rain fell. And the floods came, everybody say, floods came, and the winds blew, everybody say, winds blew. And they beat up on that house, everybody say, "Beat down." And they beat up on that house, and the rains fell, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice will be like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, say floods came. And the winds blew, say, winds blew. And the beat down came, say, beat down. And, it, and the house fell, and great was his fall. So if we're going to understand this word doctrine, if we're going to understand this word, the, what doctrine means, the code of conduct that we live by, if we're going to understand what this actually means, Jesus explains it in the first part of verse 24. He says, he who hears these words of mine and does them. Everybody say, does them. He said, he who hears these words of mine and does them. That dictates what Jesus' definition of doctrine is. How do I know that? Because three verses later, it said they were astonished at his doctrine. Because Jesus' doctrine was not just observing the law, not just looking at the rules of the law of the day, but it was actually living the fullness of what the law was about. That's why Jesus said at the very first of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came to fulfill it, so he was not saying the law was wrong. He's saying, I'm going to up the standard of what you've always heard, and I'm going to show you what extravagant doctrine looks like in the church. Now, if we're going to get this right, listen to this. Doctrine is not how much you know, but it is doing what you know. Doctrine is not how much you know. A lot of people say, if I'm going to live a better life, i got to read the Bible more. No, you just got to start putting into practice what you know. Some of y'all say, well, I know I need to read. I know you need to read. But if you're not even putting into practice what you've already read, what's the point of reading more? To give you more stuff that you're not going to do? Can I get an amen on that? That's good. I'm preaching better than y'all are responding this morning. Amen? I mean, come on now. What is the point of learning more, reading more, knowing more, and understanding more if you're not going to do it? It's craziness. And the body of Christ is, is literally inundated with knowledge. Knowledge upon knowledge. We have, I believe, some of the greatest Bible teachers the world has ever known living today with vast amounts of knowledge. But all the knowledge that they can give you doesn't amount to anything unless you do it. For example, thou shalt not lie. Well, we know that, right? That's doctrine. Now, of course that's doctrine. We know those, you're not supposed to lie. Well, then quit lying. I was lied to this morning in church. I was. I get lied to more on Sunday mornings than any other time of the week most of the people coming to church in a bad mood they do i walk in and most people walking in a bad mood they're five steps ahead of their spouse because they've been fighting trying to get the kids ready and they're all at odds with each other how y'all doing this morning oh we're doing great liar <laughs> come on now you know what i'm talking about i've lied to y'all on sunday morning pastor how you doing oh i'm doing great not sometimes i'm not don't lie if i'm not going to practice what i know why do i need to know a lot more if i'm not even going to do what i already know to do Do you understand what I'm talking about? We've got to get to the point where knowledge or or doctrine is not how much we know, but it's putting into practice what we already know. Then when we start putting into practice what we already know, and it becomes a lifestyle, then gaining more knowledge will be great because you're building it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. How many of y'all have ever bought a, a piece of workout equipment or a workout DVD set? If you have, just raise your hand. Oh, now, come on now. Come on now. You know the doctrine of that treadmill. You know if that treadmill is going to make a difference in your life. You got to use it and not as a clothes rack. (laughs) Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. And you got to use it. But the first thing about a treadmill, the first step, the hardest step of a treadmill is not even the first step when you press start. It's actually just stepping up on that joker. The first step is stepping up on the treadmill. That's the hardest step in the world. Have you ever noticed how heavy a compact disc gets when you go to put it in that DVD player? <laughs> I ain't playing. You pull out that Insanity DVD, and you got Sean T. on there looking good, just acting crazy, and you go to put it in the DVD player, it's like, oh, Lord Jesus, I can't even lift it. I can't even put it in the DVD. Uh, it's, it's just too much. And you're out of breath, and you ain't even put it in the DVD player yet. Because you know the doctrine of the DVD. If it's going to work, you got to push play. <laughs> And a lot of people push play and say, "Woo! that looks hard. Holla. I'm out. Come on now. And then you go get your jelly donut out of the cabinet. And all God's people said amen. I mean, let's, I mean if we're going to get real, let's get real. Here's the thing about church and the Bible and the body of Christ. The Bible is not this crazy book that you cannot comprehend and you cannot understand. The Bible is actually very simple. The Bible, if you study it, is written on a 7th or 8th grade level. So unless you're in 7th or 8th grade, you don't have no excuse to say, I don't understand the Bible. It's not written hard. It's not written to be difficult to understand. The Bible is actually written to people who are uneducated, so it's easy for them to understand. But the problem is, it's just like the treadmill. It's just like the DVD player. If this is going to work, I don't just have to read it. I have to apply it. If this is going to work. I can't just look at the treadmill and watch the pounds drop off. It don't work like that. I'm going to have to get on it and start walking at its pace. And if the DVDs are actually going to help me, I can't just put it in there and watch them do the workout. As ugly as I may be doing it, and as out of breath as I may be in the first 10 seconds doing it, I'm going to have to start applying it. So it's not how much you know, it's about what you do. The people were astonished at Jesus' doctrine. Not because of how much he knew, but the way he did what he knew. And so when you begin to do what you know, your doctrine begins to come real life. Your doctrine begins to come astonishing to people. The problem that most people have in the perception of the church is they look at the church and they see our doctrine, but they see a different lifestyle so they know our doctrine means nothing. But when they begin to see our doctrine and they see our lifestyle and they see our lifestyle matches up better than our, even looks better than our doctrine, then they're going to say, that's a church I want to be a part of. I want to be that extravagant church that our lifestyles far surpass any written code of conduct that our church could come up with, that our lifestyles resemble Jesus. And what goes on in the Bible? Listen to this verse of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.10, it says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. And I'm going to stop right there. It didn't say they carefully knew his doctrine. It didn't say they carefully understood his doctrine. Followed is a physical action. Followed is a physical action that they were physically doing what the doctrine was written about. They carefully followed or put activity with the doctrine that they said they believe in the manner of life that they lived. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine in your manner of life, in your purpose for life, in your faith, in your long-suffering, in your love, in your perseverance, and it goes on into the next verse. He followed the doctrine. It wasn't what he knew. It's what he did with what he knew. Doctrine, if we're going to go beyond the norm and have an extravagant church... And be different than anything else. Our doctrine cannot be how much we know. It has to be about what we do. Life change will not happen by what you know. Life change will happen by what you do. Everybody knows the doctrine of forgiveness, right? Forgive and you'll be forgiven, right? We all know that. Then how come we don't forgive? It's doctrine. I want you to start practicing what you already know. I'm not concerned with you getting a Bible degree. I'm not concerned with you going to seminary and getting a, a, a master's or in divinity or something like that. I'm concerned with are you living what you already know about the simple principles of the doctrine of the Bible? The first thing is doctrine is not how much you know, but doing what you know. The second part, to be extravagant, to go beyond the norm, doctrine is not what you say you believe, but practicing what you believe. Doctrine is not saying what you believe. A lot of people can say what they believe, but if you don't practice, what you say you believe, then you really don't believe what you say you believe. Okay, did y'all get that? You can listen to the DVD and watch it again, listen to it again. Doctrine is not saying what you believe, it's practicing what you say you believe because if you don't practice it, then you really don't believe it. Now listen to what James one twenty two says. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See, a lot of people that come to church every single Sunday morning have deceived themselves, now hear me on this, Some of y'all are looking at me like, I don't like this message, but this message will change your life. A lot of people, especially in the American Western culture church, have deceived themselves by coming to church every Sunday and saying they know what they believe. But if you don't go practice it, if you don't go live it, if you don't make it a lifestyle, then you must question, do I really believe what I say I believe? Because if there is no life change, there really is no belief behind it. There must be belief. Let me, let me go on and read a little bit more. Matthew 23, Jesus said this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. But now listen to what he says. But do not do what they do because they practice. They do not practice what they preach. Now, have you ever heard that phrase? You need to practice what you preach. What they're saying is you need to live what you say you believe. You need to be out there living this doctrine, this extravagant doctrine, and not just sitting there saying, I believe it. Listen, there are many Bible topics that, have, that you can have vast knowledge of. And because of the vast knowledge, you say you believe. But if there's never a change in your action, then you really don't believe it. You just acknowledge it. A lot of people sit here every single Sunday and say, I believe in Jesus. If there is no life change, now only you can judge your life change. If there is no life change, you've got to question, do I really believe in Jesus? If we are going to be a church that's extravagant, that's way beyond the norm, we must not just say we believe something. We must practice what we say we believe. Do you all remember a few years ago when Allen Iverson was playing basketball? It, you, how many of you all remember him? Wasn't ever my favorite player, but he, he made a great phrase one time that proved his intelligent level wasn't really what it should be. He was in an interview. He says, practice? Man, we're talking about practice because he missed a practice. I am talking about practice. I'm talking about practicing your doctrine. I'm talking about practicing what you say you believe. If you really say you believe in Jesus, then practice it. Live like it. Begin to show people that you believe in Jesus. Don't go around saying, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and never let anybody see you believe in Jesus. Here's how you show people you believe in Jesus. You run into a church member in Walmart, okay? Church members, I mean, we're we, we in the same building this morning. And you say, and they say, we believe in Jesus. But because you're having a bad day and you see them on the other end of the store, you just kind of don't do that. I get that happening to me all the time. And I'll run you down. I mean, I will run around the other side of the store. <laughs> Woo! y'all strolling that way, trying to hide from me. I'll sprint down that frozen food. I'll come around. Hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> think I'm playing. I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to run into you, okay? And y'all do it to me. I, I hope you pull me down. Or at least wave at me acknowledge me or something I get to that to say this because most people when you're willing to do this it means you don't want to be in the presence of somebody who says they believe in Jesus because your life may be having a bad day when the exact purpose that God may have put both y'all in the store together was so they can be Jesus to you at that moment they can help you, bless you, change you, pray for you. And, and y'all, we all pray for somebody in Walmart. It ain't gotta be no 30-minute prayer. Nobody got time for y'all, y'all's 30-minute praying in Walmart, okay? Stop and pray with somebody and then go on. Jesus never stopped and prayed for people for 30 minutes. He walked by and said, Oh, you're sick? Be healed. Holla. <laughs> uh-uh. I mean, did he not? I mean, he saw a lame person sitting on the side of the road. Oh, you can't walk. Get up and walk. What are you doing? <laughs> I can't go over that side of the stage. It does not take a lot of time to be Jesus, but it does take belief to live like Jesus. And if you say you believe in Jesus and you declare Jesus is Lord of your life, then you must begin to practice the doctrine of what you say you believe. You must begin to do it. You must begin to exercise it. And some of y'all say, Pastor, you don't understand. I don't pray out loud, okay? I don't, it doesn't bother me that you don't pray out loud. Start praying out loud by yourself, and then it'll get easier to pray out loud in public. Find out where you're at and start practicing where you're at. If you're not good at something, I'm not asking you to be good at it. I'm just saying start somewhere. If you don't have it all together, good. None of us do. But start doing something. I love this phrase that I heard years ago. And if you're not good at it, who cares? Just show up. Just show up. If you're having a bad day and you don't feel like coming to church, just show up. Because by just showing up, you're doing more than you ever did before. Just show up because there may be something that God is wanting you to use and be a part of that day. So I'm going to ask you, when you're doing this out in public, just show up. Be a part of what God has called you to do. Now to bring this all together, to be an extravagant church, to go beyond the norm. Listen, all doctrine can appear to look the same until this. Say, everybody say the rain, the flood, the wind, and the beat down. You like the beat down? I didn't want to say and the rain beat it down, so i just say the beat down. Okay, you got the rain, the flood, the wind, and the beat down. And all doctrine, all this stuff that's written on a piece of paper, all this stuff that you're looking at and say everything looks normal. This church's doctrine seems similar to that church's doctrine. That seems similar to that church's doctrine. How do we know what to believe? Well, this is how people are going to know what to believe. You don't know how strong your doctrine is until the rains come, the floods come, the winds come, and the beatdown begins to come. And I'm not even talking about major church doctrine. I'm talking about your personal doctrine of your life. What you say you believe, what you say you stand on, what you say you live for. Look at this. If you are not doing and practicing doctrine in the good times daily, you'll question why this Christian thing isn't working for you in the bad times. If you're not doing and practicing your doctrine in the good times daily, when the bad times happen, when the wind, the rain, the floods, and the beatdowns come, you're going to question why isn't this Christian thing working for me in the bad times. Here's how, you, here's how you overcome those issues right here. When you practice your doctrine, when you practice it, you got two houses that both look good. You got Jason, I'll say Jason and Angie's house because they look good over there, smiling. And I'm going to say, Cody's house over here, his looks good, and he's smiling. you got two houses. They both look good. Jason and Angie's house, sorry, Code Man, is built on the rock. Code Man's house, because he's a hockey fan, is built on the sand. (laughs) I'm just playing. It's built on the sand, and they both look good. And listen, the storms came. Both got rained on. Both got flooded. The wind blew on both of them, and both of them took a beating. The problem is only one of them had a great fall. The house that was built on the sand had a great fall. The house that was built on the rock stood firm. What does this mean for you? When you begin to daily practice your doctrine, it puts the foundation of your life. You're building your daily actions on the rock. The rock is in place because you say you're saved and born again. The problem is you're building your doctrine somewhere else. You're building it on good works. You're building it on things that you think you need to do. You're building it on what you heard. When you begin to practice the simple things that you already know, when you begin to do the simple things that you already know, you're establishing your house on the rock. So when the wind comes, when the rain comes, when the beatdown comes... And you guys, when the wind comes, when the rain comes, when the beatdown comes, Hillary and Beck are still going to be standing because they're practicing their doctrine daily and putting it on the rock. And when you begin to practice it daily, you're going to have a time when the storm's going to come. And I've had people tell me, oh, pastor, the storm's in the Bible. They're never talking about proverbial storms. It's all literal. Listen, whatever your issue, your mess is, it's real to you. And it's not a proverbial storm of a marriage crisis. The marriage storm of your marriage crisis storm is a real storm to you. And if you're not practicing honoring your husband and your wife on a daily basis when the storm comes and the beat down comes, you're going to find out what your marriage was built on. Here's what I need you to do. You need to begin to do it, build it on the foundation daily. When you start building your house on the foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ daily, you're going to be able to withstand the storms and the trials and things going on practicing your doctrine, doing what you know already know, when you do it daily, it makes doctrine reality. Here's the key. Most people have this huge separation between their church life and their real life. D- d- do we understand that? You have my Monday through Friday life and I have my Sunday morning life. And then I have my Friday night through Saturday night life, which directly affects your Sunday morning life. Everybody said amen. Come on. So you got different lives that you're living and they've all been separated And the only time you practice your doctrine is on Sunday morning. The only time you live your doctrine or do your doctrine is on Sunday morning. This is the reason your doctrine is not reality in the real world. Because you only practice it on Sunday mornings. When you do your doctrine daily, it becomes reality daily. When you read the Bible daily because it's part of your doctrine, you're not doing it to gain more knowledge. You're doing it to understand what you already know. Then it becomes part of your life. See, the thing about Jesus coming to when he came this time and did the Sermon on the Mount, he wasn't coming to establish a new religion. He wasn't. He was coming to establish a new kingdom. He was coming to establish a new kingdom, not just a new religion. And with a new kingdom, and when a new kingdom came, it affected the government, it affected the politics, it affected the business, it affected the social life, and it affected the religious part of their life. The problem with a lot of us in church and not being extravagant or going beyond the norm is we've separated our church life from the rest of our life. And so we really didn't want a new kingdom, we just wanted a new religion. I don't want a new religion. I want the kingdom. And therefore my doctrine will not just affect what I do on Sunday, but it will have a profound effect on my Monday. It'll have a dynamic effect on my Tuesday. It'll have a powerful effect on my Wednesday. It'll transform my Thursday. It'll make my Friday, that's great because I get a Saturday off. It'll make a phenomenal Friday because I do my doctrine daily. What is your doctrine? It's doing what you already know to do. Think about what you already know as a Christian. What should you be doing as a believer? Write it down this week. Just begin to practice it daily. See what happens. So when you begin to do this daily, it puts you on the foundation. Doing it daily makes it a reality. Practicing makes belief a real life thing. When you practice it, it makes your belief a real life thing. Now, go back to what we talked about, belief. If you say you believe something, it'll have a profound effect on your actions. Practicing it will change the way you act. Practicing it will change your belief system, which will change your actions. And if your belief system isn't changing your actions, then your belief system is just an acknowledgment system. I want you to develop a belief system. This morning, you've been challenged to do your doctrine, practice your doctrine, build your house, your daily walk upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, because by doing so, it'll make our church different. It'll become an extravagant church. We will go beyond the norm. It won't be a problem to go two miles because we've already been going two miles when the world requires us to go two miles. It won't be a problem to bless those who curse us because we've already been doing it daily. It won't be a problem to forgive even when we feel like the people don't, be, don't need to be forgiven because we forgive daily. It won't be a problem to do these things when the world comes against us because we do it daily in every area of our life. The goal of this morning's message is not to have an extravagant church. It's to have extravagant people. The goal of this message is not to have an extravagant church. It's to have a church that operates in extravagance. It's to have a church that goes way beyond the norm. The goal of this morning's message is for you to be extravagant, for you to go way beyond what you ever thought you could do. With every bit of power that you can muster up on the inside of you, with every bit of faith that you think you have, begin to do it and you watch yourself go from normal to anything but normal.